0: Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. Glad that you're here. Um, it's always good to have the opportunity to um, be in His house together, to hear His word together, to respond and worship together. And we're grateful for this opportunity God's given us today. Our mission at New Horizons is to bring glory to God by loving Him the most, by loving others as Jesus has loved us, by making disciples of all nations. And our vision is to have a clear pathway that we become more of that, that we become better that, that we love God more and that we love people more and that we become a better disciple and a better disciple maker. Our values at New Horizon is love, grace, truth, and growth. The title of today's sermon is Jesus is worth it because he is better. Because Jesus is better. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 7 verses 4 through 28 and I know everybody's going holy cow. We've not done this many verses in <laughs> forever. So don't take a, it, it'll be all right. We'll get through them and we will get through them in a decent time. We won't be here uh, all day as you might would think we would considering But in chapter 4, the writer of Hebrews, and I know we're starting in chapter 7, but let me just remind us of where we've been. In chapter 4, the writer of Hebrews began teaching us that Jesus is our high priest. In chapter 5, he introduced to us that Jesus is a priest after Melchizedek and not the Levitical priesthood. He begins that teaching and then he interrupts it with that warning about taking seriously our growth or, and so that we don't fall away. And what we learn from the warning is this, if we fall away it is because we did not have genuine salvation. Therefore, before we fall away, the warning was to look honestly at ourselves and to work out our salvation in fear and trembling. To take it seriously, to not just presume, but to know that the Spirit of God lives in me because I have what? Because I have trusted who Christ is and what he done that he lived a life I couldn't live that he died a death that I should have died and that God raised him from the dead. And I'm simply receiving that accomplished the righteousness of God for us and I'm simply receiving that as a gift. That is salvation. Salvation. Listen, I want you to get this. Salvation's not turning over a new leaf. Salvation is not getting up one day and deciding I'm going to start attending church. Salvation is not, okay, I'm going to be different. Salvation is when we realize that, man, I'm going to be eternally separated from God and I have sinned against Him and He's a holy God and I can't draw near and Jesus bridged that gap and I trust what Jesus did for my salvation. That is salvation. Not these other things. And I'll talk about that more as we go. But genuine salvation is revealed by the fact that God is keeping us. That He is keeping us. The writer was so good to teach us after the strong warning to teach us the promise that God made to keep us from falling away. He did so by teaching us about the promise made to Abraham in Genesis 15. Remember, it was a one sided promise. Remember, he, he dug the ditch, he cut the animals in half, the blood run in the ditch. And Abraham walked through the ditch of blood saying, listen, And Abraham, didn't God walk through the ditch of blood telling Abraham, if I don't keep my promise, you do to me as it's been done to these uh, as these animals. But what we noticed in that scripture is that Abraham didn't walk through that ditch. You see, God's promises are not based on you and I. God's promises are based on Him. They're swore by Him. Our salvation belongs to God. It doesn't belong to us. We're the recipient of them, of that salvation. So we learn that. And you and I being kept from falling away is not depending on us, it's dependent on Christ. And Jesus sealed that promise from the Father when He died in our place, when His blood was shed, not our blood, but His. He simply, then we simply receive the gift of righteousness, not based on what we've done, but based on what He's done. If we all. I just keep I'll just I'll just say this multiple times today. I'm just gonna quote Alistair Begg. When we all get to heaven, none of us will say to anybody in heaven, none of us will say to anybody, no angel, no prophet, I'm here because of this. We I did this or I did that. No, we will all say, if we make it, I'm in heaven because of what Jesus did. Not because of me because of him. He did it. That's what salvation is. Now the writer continues that teaching about Jesus being a better priest. He's already, think about, you've got to put yourself into the position of these Hebrew people. The Hebrews lived their life based on this temple and tabernacle and Levitical priesthood for thousands of years at this point. Okay? Maybe for a couple of thousand years, maybe for 1,500 years, I don't know the exact number, but it's been a long time they've lived with this tabernacle, the Levitical Levitical priesthood. And now he's telling them that Jesus is better. That there's a new way. And think about what he's already told them. He's already told them that Jesus is better than any angel experience they've ever had. He's better than Moses who led them out of Egypt across the Red Sea. He's better than Elijah or Isaiah. And now he teaches them and us that Jesus is not a priest after the Levitical priesthood. But he's a priest after Melchizedek. He doesn't stop there, but he says this priesthood, it, the Me, the priesthood after Melchizedek is better than their Levitical priesthood. And he gives them three reasons why it's better. And then how the Levitical priesthood come up short. And I'll explain that. As we begin now, I want us to drop back to verse 20 of chapter 6. And I don't have it on the screen. I've added it for this morning. But I just thought we needed to read this verse to get the context of where we're going. Verse 20. Where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Not after the Levitical priesthood, but after the order of Melchizedek. Now, it gives us three reasons. It's interesting that he doesn't even go to Jesus, but the writer of... Remember, he's writing to the Hebrew people who staked their life on this, and he's saying, guys, Melchizedek was better than Levi. Can you imagine? I mean, this was kind of like... I'm just going... No, I won't. You know, it's like somebody coming to you and whoever your favorite president was, or favorite pastor was, or favorite person, and them saying, mm, he's not all that. He's coming to the Hebrew people and he's saying, I know you all think the Levitical priesthood and the Levitical line was superior, but they're not. And he's even going to take it a step further by saying, I know you think Abraham, your father, was superior, but he's not. And he's not even comparing them to Jesus yet. He's comparing them to Melchizedek. Which has got to be like, I could almost see if it was Jesus, but you're saying this about Melchizedek? This makes me want to hurt my belly a little bit. You're insulting me a little bit here. You're insulting my people. So let's look. Look at verses 4 through 6 to begin with. He said, see how great this man was. This was talking about Melchizedek. See how great this man was to whom Abraham the patriarch gave a tenth of the spools that he would pay a tithe to. And those descendants of Levi who received the priestly office have commanded in the law to take tithes from the people, that is from their brothers, Though these also are descended from Abraham. Verse 6. But this man who does not have his descent from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Read down, jump down. I'm going to skip down to verses 9 and 10 and then we'll come back to 7 and 8. Verse 9 says... One might even say that Levi himself, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham. For he was still in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. Now remember, we don't know a lot about Melchizedek. What we know is there's no genealogy that has his name in it. What we know is we have no record of his birth, no record of his death. What we know is that he was a king and a priest. And that's what we know. We don't know how he got those positions other than he did not get them by a family bloodline. So if he got them and it wasn't by a family bloodline, it had to be because God appointed him in both those positions. Okay? And you just have to take it at that. And if you go down the rabbit hole of trying to understand and figure this out, you're going to drive yourself crazy. Okay? So just take it as that, all right? But I want you to think about, first of all, this right here Melchizedek is better than the Levitical priesthood because he received tithes from Abraham. Melchizedek received tithes from Abraham. You see, when Abraham met them, having come in from the battle of the kings, and the king of Salem, and the prince of Salem, and the high priest came to meet Abraham, Abraham paid to him tithe. And then we learn that the Levites, because they did not own lands and properties except for right around where the, where the tabernacle was, they received tithes from their brothers in order that they may live and maintain what they had. But he is saying here, listen, but, but Abraham, your father, paid tithes to Melchizedek, which makes him better. Than a Levitical priesthood. That's number one. Number two. Look at verses six and seven. I want to read verses six and seven. I know we already read six. But we're going to read it again. He said. But this man who does not have his descent from them. Receives tithes from Abraham. Watch this. And blessed him who had the promises. Look at verse seven. If the poor Hebrew people must have been feeling like this writer was punching them in the mouth. Because this is what he says now. It is beyond dispute. You don't even argue this. That the inferior is blessed by the superior. Do you see, what he's saying is when Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek, Melchizedek blessed Abraham, and he said it is no dispute that whoever blesses the other is superior. So when Melchizedek blessed Abraham, he, this is what he's saying to the Hebrew people. Melchizedek is better. He is superior because he blessed Abraham. Man, he is wearing them out. Now, look at verse 8. I, I, I know I've said it before, and I, I wish, and I thought, and I thought, and I thought, and I just can't come up with it. And maybe some of you all can come up with it for me. But I wish that our pop culture just has us so fouled up that I don't know that what is it that we're so tied to That with somebody to say something else was superior to, that it would hurt our feelings. And I'm not for sure that we don't seem to be tied to anything anymore. There doesn't seem to be anything that's just that serious. But maybe you'll have something. Something. And you need to think about what that is in your mind. And then think about that God coming to you and saying, this is better than that. This is better than that. Now, let's continue in verse 8. Look at verse 8. It says, in the one case, tithes are received by mortal men. But in the other case, by one of whom it is testified that he lives. You you see, the deal with the the Levitical priesthood is how did you become a priest? Because a priest before you died. A priest before you died. And so we've got hundreds of years of this, of a priest dying and then another priest coming. and Another priest dying, another priest. All the high priests had to directly come from the line of Aaron. And then all the other priests come from the Levi tribe, who, which Aaron and Moses were from. But they all had to die. But Melchizedek lives, and what it is, is it is a picture of Jesus who is eternal. Okay? So three ways that he gives us that Melchizedek is better. The first one was, and the last one is Melchizedek lives. The first one was Melchizedek received tithes from Abraham. The second one is Melchizedek blessed Abraham. The third one is Melchizedek lives. And remember, Jesus is after the order of the priesthood of who? Melchizedek, not the Levitical. Which means what? Jesus would be what? Better. Jesus is better. Now, 11 and 12 are a transition to the next establishment that Jesus is better. Look at verse 11. Now, if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek? Rather than one named... After the order of Aaron, for then there is a change in priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. Through the Levitical priesthood that had received the law, this system, hear me, this system was never able to make anybody perfect. But yet, perfection is required to come into the presence of God. Now, you stay with me, okay? Don't get lost in this. When I was growing up, a person in my family used to take this verse to discipline us kids and say, you must be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. That was the verse. Jesus said that, right? You must be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And then he says, the Levitical priesthood could never bring us to that perfection. Listen, so what does that mean? That means that you and I are never within our own abilities, in our own ways, our own thoughts, our own tries, everything that we do, you and I are never, ever going to be able to be perfect enough that we may draw near to God. Never. You see, think about it like this. The Levitical system and the law revealed our unrighteousness. It revealed our hopelessness, our powerlessness. It revealed our poverty of spirit. It diagnosed us as a CAT scan diagnoses us. That was the purpose of the Levitical law. That was the purpose of the Levitical system was to diagnose mankind so we could see what, the, what that we're unrighteous and that we're hopeless, that we're dead in our sins and our trespasses. It was a CAT scan to reveal our ugliness. We heard the Testimony about Leon and his surgery, having the, the wreck, breaking his hip. They repaired it in about 20 minutes and told him he can walk. Before they'd done that surgery, they more than likely did what? A CAT scan. Guess what the CAT scan didn't do? Fix it. The cash can only showed the doctor what was wrong. What was broken. And how he could fix it. But it never repaired it. Because that's not what the political law was for. It was to bring us to Christ. So that Christ would be perfect. You know what Jesus meant when he said, Be you perfect as your Father in heaven is Perfect. He said, "Go ahead and try. What you're going to understand, you can't do it. But I'm here to do it for you. I'm here to do it for you because you can't do it." I love that the Ten Commandments are at the courthouse, but I hate that the gospel. Is not out beside of it. Because the ten commandments. Only reveal the problem. And never give the solution. To how to overcome the problem. That's. What the Levitical law was for. To be a CAT scan. To show us but I promise you this if you have the Ten Commandments the community can agree the Ten Commandments can be at the courthouse but they would never agree that no man can come to the Father except by me life is only in him see it doesn't get controversial until it becomes exclusive about Jesus And then it gets controversial and willing to die for I've got to get us where we need to be. I am rabbit trailing. If the first three was not enough evidence that God is working in such a way that Jesus is after a priesthood that was better than a Levitical priesthood, now he gives us four clear reasons why Jesus is better. Look with me at verses 13 and 14. For the one of whom these things are spoken belong to another tribe from which no one has ever served at the altar. Okay, For the one whom these things are spoken, he's talking about Christ, belonged to another tribe for which no one has ever served at the altar, for which from the tribe, from the family that Jesus was born in, nobody from that family had ever served in a Levitical priest way. Okay? Now look at what he says in verse 14. For it is evident that our Lord... That our Lord, that Jesus, was descended from Judah. And in connection with that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. Only what come from Judah? Kings. So I talked about this a little bit last week, but I want to continue. So Jesus was from the tribe of Judah, the son of David. From the tribe of Judah, there was never a priest served at the altar. From the tribe of Levi, there was never a king. Never a king. Jesus is a priest after Melchizedek, not Levi. But Jesus is a king from Judah. He's both. You realize that Melchizedek and Jesus are the only two people that ever held both offices. Okay? next day. Because he was priest, he atoned for our sin with his own blood. Because he was king, may I remind you that Jesus was not tried in a trial before Pilate. Would you, um, take you back to this. I want you to to just think about the trial that Jesus was tried with. Jesus was not tried in a trial before Pilate based on whether he was a priest or not. They wouldn't have cared. He wasn't trial based on whether he was a priest or not. He was not mocked on whether he was a priest or not. But it was a crown of thorns that mocked him, calling him a king. They did not put a sign on the cross that said, This here lies the high priest of the Jews. That's not what they put up there. They put up there, here lies king of the Jews. You see, he was high priest and that he atoned for our sin. That man, he laid it down. But because he is king, listen, on the cross, when he said it was finished, it was a final word written down and can't be undone. Saying that the sins of the world have been paid for, have been taken care of, and everyone that receives this gift by faith, listen, can now what? Draw near to the God and Father who requires perfection. It's not our perfection that gets us there. It's His perfection that causes us to draw near to Him. His perfection that causes us to draw near. And He had, see, what's the difference? A priest goes to the Father on behalf of the people. But a king does what? Rules supremely. Has the final word. Has the final say. And he said it. It is finished. It is complete. It is done. Jesus is better because Jesus is from a better tribe. Number one, Jesus is from a better tribe, the, the kingly tribe. Now, number two. Look with me at verses 15 through 17. This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest not on the basis of a legal requirement concerning bodily descent, Talking about not from a family line, but what? By the power of an indestructible life. For it is witnessed of him, you are a priest forever. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Look at verse 23 through 25. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever, because he never dies. Consequently, watch this, because he never dies, because he atoned, because he was perfect, because he's king, he's able to save to the uttermost, to the uttermost, to bring us to that place of perfection, to bring salvation to a place of completion, to bring it completely in. He's able to save to the uttermost those who what? Draw near to God through Him. Watch this. Since He always lives to make intercession for us. He always, always and forever continually lives. His life is spent making intercession for you and I before the Father. Not through a family bloodline, but He was appointed as priest. With an indestructible life where He never dies. And where He ever lives on our behalf. Wow. Is that incredible or what? It's almost unbelievable. So number two is this. Jesus is, always has been, and always will be eternal. And like any other priest, He is. He always has been. He always will be eternal. Drop down to verse 22 and then we're going to back up and look at verses 20 through 21. Verse 22 is the third reason why we're better, why Jesus is better. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. A better covenant. Look at verse 18. For on the one hand, a former commandment is set aside, watch this, because of its weakness and uselessness. It was not weak and useless in that it was weak and useless in being able to to, uh, detect or reveal what the problem was. It was weak and useless in that it could never do anything about it. It could never change our hearts. It could just diagnose us. Can you imagine the Hebrew people and him saying that? What you had was weak and useless. Can you imagine them saying, wait a minute, dude, I'm fixing to put the gloves on. We're going to fight right here because this ain't, it's like, You know, it's like telling Larry Tannis that capitalism is a problem. You know, (laughs) that's a good one. Larry would be ready to fight. Well, let's go to battle right here, right? Okay? So that's the way they'd be. They'd be like ready to fight. What do you mean it's useless? What do you mean? For the law made nothing perfect. It could never, it could never change us we got to sin nature. Well, well, there ain't nothing more precious than these babies around here. And there ain't nothing more precious than my Brinley. But can I tell you something? She's going to sin. It's not something that nobody... Listen... Nobody outside the... Listen, you could put her on an island by herself with no influence. And guess what she's going to do? She's going to sin. Because the reality is we have this sin nature. And we do things that are crazy. i got to get back to this. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced. A better hope is in Listen, guys, I- I- I'm not insulting you. It must have felt like insults, but I think the writer's saying, I'm not wanting to insult your religion. I'm wanting to give you something better. Or he, what he's really trying to do, I think, is saying, don't go back to that. Don't go back to that. I've got something better, and Jesus is better. You don't have to go back. Don't go back. Look, he continues. A better hope is introduced Through which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. For those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. But this one was made a priest with an oath. By the one who said to him, See, he was appointed by an oath by God. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. Would you get that? You are a priest forever. Listen, God is not going to one day say, I'm tired of you interceding for the people. I'm going to change your job today. He's not changing, Christ is not changing. He's interceding for us. Never dying. Never leaving. Jesus provided a better covenant. Now, number four, the last one. Number three is Jesus provides a better covenant. Sorry. Jesus provides a better covenant. Number two, Jesus is eternal, always has been, always will be. Number one, Jesus come from a better family. Number four, Jesus, and the final one. Number four is Jesus is a perfect priest and king. Will you watch with me and look, read with me in verses 26 through 28? For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest. He was holy. His devotion to his Father was not polluted by this world. He never had a time in his day when he didn't love God with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength. He never had a moment where his adoration and his love for him was not full and complete. He never had a moment where he was disappointed in his father, mad at his father, upset at his father. The greatest command that you and I can't get through a church service without doubting Him, without being ugly about Him, without questioning Him. You and I can't get through a church service. Jesus got through His whole life completely holy, loving His Father. Look, He wasn't only holy though; He was innocent. In His relationship with people, He was harmless. He never offended. He never did the wrong thing. He never took advantage of anybody. You might say the priests were offended by Him. Well, He might have offended with truth. But He never took advantage of anybody. He never mistreated anybody. He never asked. He didn't use preacher privilege. When they were tired and wore out and exhausted, He said to His men, we can't send them home without feeding them. He never took advantage. It wasn't about Him. It wasn't just about the words that he was speaking, but it was also about their physical being and the fact that he didn't think they could make it home if he didn't feed them before they went. He never took advantage of anybody. He never used anybody for his own benefit. He never used anybody to accomplish what he wanted to accomplish. innocent look it goes further he was unstained in his relationship with himself he was undefiled in his relationship with himself he was undefiled he never went to a meeting and said I'm Jesus and I struggle with pride and codependency He never went to a meeting and said, boy, I've struggled. He never had to make a confession. He never, no, he was perfect. He was perfect. Look, he was separated from sinners. He was separated from sinners. Would you get this? He was, listen, he, he he didn't have the sin that what my little Brindley has got and what I've got. It didn't matter if we lived alone in a mountain by ourselves we're going to be sinful. Jesus didn't have that. You know why? He had a different father. All of our father goes back to Adam and he is sinful and boy and he weeps. past it now. Let me leave you an inheritance. It's a good one. Jesus didn't have that. He was separated. His Father in heaven. He was perfect. He was perfect. Listen, he was separated from and he was exalted above the heaven, above the heavens. He was given a name above every other name not a king, not a priest, not anything. He was perfect in all that He did. He was raised and given a position that I believe was higher than He had when He left to begin with. And I can't explain how He could have been any higher, but I believe that He's higher. It's perfect. Listen, He went on to say, He had no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily. First for his own sins and then for those of the people since he did his once and for all when he offered up himself. He didn't have to offer for his own. He just had to offer for ours. For the law appoints men in their weaknesses high priests. Watch this: the law appointed men in their weaknesses high priests. But the word of the oath, God in heaven above, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. He, he is our perfect king and priest. He is Jesus. If we get to heaven, if you say, hear me out. Gabriel comes to you and says, How did you get here? I believed. I had faith. It's the wrong answer. It's the wrong. He said, like, How did you get here? Jesus said I could be here. Jesus said I could be here. And He's the perfect one. And I'm trusting in Him. Not in me. And listen, I'm not just trusting Him for that day. Church, are you trusting Him for this day? I trusted Him to keep me today. Not just take me there, but I want Him to keep me today and tomorrow and next week because He has been made perfect forever. Boy, as the worship team leads us, I don't know how you need to respond this morning. But I challenge you, if your salvation's based on you turning over a new leaf, based on you coming to church, based on some kind of work that you begin to do, listen, don't go to heaven and tell God what you did. The last group that tell God what they did, He said, depart from me. I don't even know who you are. May your salvation just be based on Jesus alone trusted only in the perfect one. I don't know what you need and maybe you just need the encouragement but man the altar's here and I'm here and if you want to pray or you just want to sing as the worship team leads us let's respond in worship to the one who's perfect and who is for us this morning.
1: Love, love, love you're a good, good love. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You're a good, good God. It's who you are. It's who
2: my boys and we stopped at an intersection and one of the businesses had a, had a U.S. flag flying. But one of the corners had come undone so it was just hanging by one and Tyson said, it looks like it's barely hanging on. And when I see what our country is going through, I thought, yeah, most days it feels like we're barely holding on Some of us think, well, if that person that's in government would get out and we could get this person in, it'll get better. If we could just have these policies change, we'd be all right. But that's not what that verse says that Josh talked about this morning. God said, if my people will call upon my name and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear. I will heal their land that is us or maybe you as a person you're like that flag and you feel like you are barely holding on you think well if that person would just act right and apologize to me I'd be okay or if this situation would turn around then I'd be all right well what if they don't and what if it doesn't that verse applies to us too if we will come to our Father humbly and confess our sin and turn from our wicked ways and pray, He will heal us no matter what that person does or what that situation does. He is the only one who can bring peace and unity in our country, in our church, and in our life. As we sing this next song, let it be a time of true worship and repentance to a God who is worthy of it.
0: Discovering new horizon this morning, and Beth is Alicia's mom who we've come to know. And uh, Beth, would you, would you just lift your hand so people can see who Beth is? Right there's Beth. Okay, you're not Beth, Josh. <laughs> Beth back there. <laughs> Uh, Beth come to the New Horizons class this morning and she, she wants to belong to our church. She's been coming with her daughter and, and, and her daughter joined and she wants to belong here. So now I have a motion to accept Beth into our body, into our fellowship. And we're going to baptize her next Sunday. We're going to do the baptism. Uh, uh, and, and did I have a motion in a second with that? Did somebody do that? All right. All in favor say amen. And, and Beth, we commit to love you genuinely. To encourage you, to walk with you, to help you to grow. And as a church, we commit to be there for you when you need things. And as a church, we commit to be there when you stumble, when you fall, to be there to help you to get back up and be restored. We commit to be a part of the body. And as we've talked with her, her commitment's to the body to do the same, to love Guys, as we take communion today, as we think about the perfection of Christ, and why in the world would the perfection ever shed his blood and have his body broken for such people that are imperfect? It's almost unbelievable. And it's almost heavier than we can imagine. But on that night, man, when he was with those guys, he took the bread and he broke it. Remember, he broke it, and he said, "Take and for this is my body." Oh, and then he took the cup, <laughs> the cup that of wrath that he was fixing to drink. And he said, this is the blood of the new covenant for you. I'm going to drink the wrath so you don't have to. But he couldn't drink the wrath if he not been perfect, completely perfect. And he took that cup and blessed it and said, this is the blood of the new covenant. Thank you, As we sing this last song, man, if you still need to do something, you need to want to come and pray whatever you need, we'll open that up for you to do so. day rejoicing that Jesus was perfect for us and when you go this day rejoicing that he is perfecting us and we won't be completely there until we're with him in his presence but he's working in all of our lives New Horizon, I love you all have a good day